Welcome to Policy Pod, P-O-R-F podcast. The Ideas Factory is an exclusive series by ORF that delves into the big geopolitical events that affect India and the world. Hello and welcome to the Ideas Factory. I'm Nagma. Joining me is Professor Harsh Pant. This week we will look at External Affairs Minister S.J. Shankar's visit to the U.S. and his speech at the UNGA, the relationship between India and the U.S., India and China, and a lot more on this episode of the Ideas Factory. A very warm welcome to you, Harsh. And um, I would like to begin with our External Affairs Minister S.J. Shankar's uh, visit to the United States, his speech at the UNGA, also his very, very interesting and very straightforward dig at the American media, the popular media there, and uh, putting forth India's stand on multiple pressing issues that the world is facing, including reform at the UN, including a new concept of multilateralism. He also raised questions on Biden administration's approval of a a sustenance package to Pakistan on F-16 and said that this relationship has not served either of these two nations very well. India also received praise from France, um, from Macron, uh, also received praise from Lavrov. And we have also seen that um, Lavrov backed India for a permanent seat and referred to India as a key international actor. So it was a very interesting speech there. And um, S.J. Shankar did not mince words in putting forth what India stands for now, your comments and your analysis of that speech. You know, this was an interesting uh, General Assembly session for India because uh, uh, India was uh, very proactive in terms of reaching out to various stakeholders on on global uh, governance. Uh, And India was also there in the United Nations making a broader point about the future of the United Nations uh, as the fulcrum of global multilateral order. And I think uh, a point that India has been repeatedly making that ultimately uh, if India does not have a place in the the Security Council, then it's the credibility of the United Nations that suffers more than anything else. So I think what what, uh, Dr. Jayashankar did perhaps was to lay out uh, a very proactive uh, Indian diplomatic agenda in front of the UN and also made it clear that India continues to remain open when it comes to shouldering its global responsibilities. And I think the juxtaposition that he, you know, that that I think he wanted to make uh, very clear was that, look, there are members of the UN Security Council that don't uphold the UN Charter uh, in letter uh, as well as in its spirit. But whereas India is there, which is which is not a permanent member of the UNSC, and still, if you look at India's contributions to global governance, um, to regional and global order, they remain highly significant. And I think that's what he was mentioning, uh, whether it was in terms of vaccine metri, whether in terms of India's support for uh, countries like Sri Lanka, whether India's commitment to climate change. And I think the wider issue uh, that 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 continued to resonate throughout his speech. And throughout his his uh, outreach, uh, broader outreach at the UN General Assembly, uh, was that uh, look India uh, is doing this uh, in, uh, on India's terms. That India is certainly uh, proactive, but India is active because India wants uh, India has a certain idea of what its aspirations are and India wants to project those aspirations on the global stage. So I think on, on both ends of this at both ends of the spectrum, 
you saw India making a very, very robust case uh, for its centrality in global governance architecture today. And on the other, there is a great degree of receptivity, which you were mentioning. You know, it was um, Mr. Biden also talking about India in his speech. Uh, Macron, of course, talking about it. Lavrov talking about it. Uh, and in some ways, uh, a number of other smaller countries also mentioning India's role, underscoring uh, India's growing profile in terms of the broader issues of, of global governance. And so when you, you know, uh, when, when Ukraine war started, no one really thought that India would be central to a lot, lot of these conversations. Um, but today, and what you saw at the UN General Assembly was that India's uh, positioning, India's diplomatic uh, posture is very keenly observed and it sends out different messages uh, to different actors uh, at critical junctures. And I think that's what was important uh, in terms of the interventions that we saw. And India, again, making a case that India stands for peace, for diplomatic dialogue, and for a broader respect for UN Charter and international law when it comes to the Ukraine crisis as well. So I think all in all, uh, uh, Dr. Jayashankar's outreach at the UN General Assembly was about making a robust case for India, making India's aspirations very clear, and also making it very clear perhaps in his other engagements like Quad, BRICS, IPSA, uh, India, uh, Latin American um, uh, you know, Consortium, all of these very, very interesting engagements that also tell us the changing nature of global multilateral order today, when minilateralism is being preferred, where the idea is that if the UN doesn't work, then it, it global governance does, doesn't stop. We need to keep working with like-minded countries, trying to find solutions to global problems where we can. And India continues to uh, project itself as a key member of those conversations. And there is a great receptivity uh, to the role uh, to, for a larger role for India when it comes to these conversations. So I think uh, Dr. Jayashankar's uh, uh, approach and outreach at the UN uh, in New York was largely about projecting uh, a self-confident India on the global stage and making a case for India's centrality in these global governance conversations. And of course, it uh, seemed that uh, he was very successful in uh, presenting his case and India uh, he also reiterated that India is engaging with the world on its own terms now and from a position of strength. But how is India's growing profile, Harsh, um, growing profile in the global order and India's diplomatic posturing now, the way it's posturing itself, defining its relationship, for example, with the United States? What changes do you see? Uh, uh, our foreign minister did mention very clearly uh, or pointed out or, uh, by, uh, or called out rather Biden administration's policies on the sale of F-16 to Pakistan and saying that this relationship has not really uh, helped either of the countries. But at the same time, it talks about India and the U.S., the relationship being very, very bullish. Yes, and I think that's, uh, that's uh, perhaps the real story of Indo-U.S. relations today, that we have uh, our own challenges, we have our own differences uh, uh, Washington uh, looks at India's role uh, with regard to the Ukraine crisis differently than, than India does. And India looks at America's involvement with Pakistan and, 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 and regional security through a different lens. But I think uh, what, what has happened is, is perhaps uh, a significant sign of maturity that both countries are now very comfortable in airing those differences openly making it clear that, yes, there are differences on certain issues that need to be accounted for, uh, as in the case of uh, F-16 sale to Pakistan, which which uh, Indian foreign minister was categorical in suggesting, and that, look, this is not a problem of F-16. 
this is a problem of american foreign policy that has over the years nurtured uh, pakistani uh, foreign policy priorities in a way that has not helped pakistan so i think he was making a broader point than simply about the sale of this uh, you know a particular weapon system and that's i think the real uh, uh, concern uh, that has always been there in in, in india that uh, america continues to look at its short term uh, interest in pakistan at the at the cost of the perhaps long term uh, sustainability of pakistan as a as a credible uh, anchor in in south asia and, and i think uh, uh, dr jay shankar has been very categorical on that and despite that and despite uh, american sensitivities on ukraine we have seen uh, the engagement actually uh, growing engagement is not really has not really suffered on account of the of these differences uh, if you saw dr jay shankar's itinerary it, it reflected uh, you know the the broad the, the breadth of the relationship you know there are civil society actors uh, in, in, in corporate sector in the us uh, you have science and technology sector all these sectors where uh, what which tells you a story that india us relationship is driven more than just by their governments uh, you know governments are uh, al- have almost become uh, incidental to the relation to the relationship there are so many other vectors so many other variables that are pushing this relationship in a direction that has uh, and, and that has given a new momentum to this relationship and that momentum continues to uh, uh, be on autopilot you know there, there is there is a certain sense that yes leaderships are invested but uh, but beyond that uh, there is a larger Uh, constellation of constituencies that are invested in this relationship and therefore the relationship uh, will continue to grow and therefore what you mentioned uh, both sides remain very bullish on this relationship absolutely both the sides remain very bullish on this relationship despite the fact that there are differences on many issues but uh, it continues to move forward another uh, issue that i would like to take up today is india and china and how do you see the relationship there we had a very interesting uh, case where you know china is kind of uh, china chinese ambassador is saying that relationship has moved forward and we are moving towards normalcy and he claims that the situation at lse is now more or less normal and the two sides have agreed in any we know that the two sides have agreed to disengage on the, uh, at the lse on 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 few points which were friction points but uh, earlier the indian army chief from what he said he, it seems like uh, there are i mean the friction points remain and he never pointed out about the relationship moving towards normalizations so do you see a contradiction there well yes i think uh, for both sides uh, there is uh, there are incentives to continue along the present trajectory uh, for uh, you know i think uh, the chinese side desperately wants uh, some kind of a, of a, uh, restoration of uh, uh, you know uh, peace and tranquility along the border they want some semblance of normalcy along the border and an acknowledgement perhaps in new delhi that that things are becoming normal and india rightfully is is reluctant to acknowledge that and i think this is indian army chief made his views very clear but even dr jayshankar made his views very clear when he said that look ultimately it's a question of of uh, you know the boundary issue uh, shaping the larger contours of sino indian relationship so unless we have a substantial uh, progress on the boundary issue i don't think we can we, the, the sino indian relations could become normal i think that was his assessment and and the the assessment as you were mentioning from the chinese ambassador here uh, has been that look things are becoming normal so i think both sides want to project their own uh, priorities on this uh, on this process 
Chinese are, have a certain uh, you know uh, urgency in, in in making a case that look things are becoming normal we are we are reducing friction points and perhaps we can go back uh, to to uh, pre April 2020 uh, diplomatic engagements and India is very reluctant to do that rightfully so uh, and I and I don't think uh, we are going to see any broader rapprochement happening anytime soon uh, because for India also uh, this is uh, this is a time when it has some momentum on its side when it has been able to stand up to China it has been it has been able to give uh, China a message that look uh, we can stand up to you uh, it's not uh, just because you are militarily economically superior power doesn't mean that you will get all the objectives that you have in mind vis-a-vis -vis India India Indian army India Indian uh, uh, policy is very capable of standing up to China and that's what we have done since 2020 and that means that China for China, given that China is surrounded by multiple pressures, given that internal pressures are mounting, given that China is moving into uh, into a very critical uh, uh, re-election phase or uh, re-nomination phase of, uh, of uh, Xi Jinping, uh, this is an important uh, uh, timeline for China and, and China would like to project some sense of normalcy with India. And India uh, is not willing to give in just yet uh, the satisfaction that perhaps China is demanding. So I think we are going to continue to see this, this volatility for a while. Yeah. And how do you see India's role or what was India's role in engaging with other or working very closely with the other IAEA members uh, for actually, you know, China had to uh, withdraw a resolution, a draft resolution against AUKUS at the IAEA. So what, what exactly has been India's role there? I think India's role was very important because India could mobilize a number of countries that were, uh, you know, that, that that do not see themselves as part of either camp. And AUKUS, because you have Australia, US and UK, three key uh, traditional allies of each other. Uh, and, and they had declared this, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, this partnership as one uh, to provide, uh, to, to build submarines and to provide submarines to, uh, to to Australia, this was China is was trying to make a case that look, this is in contravention of their NPT commitments. And India, I think, uh, for 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 both pragmatic and for ideological reasons, decided to push back. I think pragmatic because China has been uh, such a nuisance as far as India is concerned when it comes to a multilateral fora. We have seen uh, China not relenting even on issues like terrorism. So there is no real, uh, I think, uh, need for India uh, to, uh, you know, uh, to be on China's side when it comes to these, uh, these platforms. And I think here uh, there was an opportunity for India to also make a broader point that India does not see AUKUS as problematic in the Indo-Pacific. India's views are different. India sees AUKUS as an effort by like-minded countries to create a semblance of balance in a region that is increasingly getting dominated by China. So if you recall, when AUKUS was, was, has, was announced, India uh, did not make any, any, any noises about it. India was uh, calm and confident that it contributes to broader stability. India has all three, Australia, US and UK are close partners of India in the Indo-Pacific. There is no real need for India uh, to uh, you know, to uh, to make a common cause with China, which is clearly driven by uh, by Chinese uh, uh, you know uh, security strategy. That China doesn't want uh, countries in the region uh, to emerge uh, as security guarantors in their own right. China wants to dominate uh, the Indo-Pacific uh, militarily, especially the seas. Uh, and and I think for India, uh, supporting like-minded countries in pushing back. Uh, is 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 uh, is something that is uh, 
that India feels strongly about. Also, ideologically, the the case that China was making is is, is relatively weak. That this uh, you know this is, is uh, uh, this is uh, against the NPT commitments and India, which has always been a strong votary uh, of of nuclear disarmament. And China, in fact, a country that has done more damage to the nuclear non-proliferation order than any other country, uh, than any other major power, than any other P5 power, certainly has no uh, locus standi uh, to to talk about legal aspects of this of this problem. And India therefore pushed back and and and, and got the outcome that perhaps uh, India and its partners wanted. Yeah, China had to withdraw a draft resolution against AUKUS at IAEA. Of course, uh, we know that the AUKUS alliance is seen as a response to a very aggressive China or Chinese behavior across the Indo-Pacific. Uh, so. India clearly not standing there with China and did not need to stand with China, but was rather with other like-minded countries in pushing back Chinese aggression, as you pointed out. Uh, before we end this uh, episode, I would uh, like to uh, have an analysis from you on a very important thing that just happened yesterday, that the, the Russians have claimed that they have finally been able to gain control of those four, um, you know, they have been able to annex those four regions, which were earlier partially seized probably by the Russians since this conflict started. And um, there has been a big ceremony and a celebration in Russia. And how does this uh, impact the situation between Russia and Ukraine now? I think we are entering uh, some very dangerous territory here because uh, uh, Russia clearly, uh, you know, uh, is visibly losing. Uh, and uh, we have just had reports in the last few hours, in the last uh, 24 hours, that another important town, uh, Lyman, for example, has been taken away with, uh, from Russia. Russia has withdrawn its forces from that very strategically important town. Uh, and, and this town uh, becomes very critical when you look at the, uh, the, the, the Donetsk region uh, in, in Ukraine, which, which Russians have uh, claimed uh, 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 as having been annexed. Now, the problem there is that what, what, what I think Russians are trying to do is because they are facing some severe battlefield uh, 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 losses, they are trying to focus more and more on territories that they have been able to gain easily and therefore uh, strengthen their control over these territories. And by annexation, uh, Russians are trying to make a case that, look, any attack on these territories now would uh, lead to some major repercussions or some major uh, uh, response by Russia. And we have, in fact, seen, uh, it, you know, in the case of Lyman, for example, um, uh, one of Putin's closest allies, again, talking of battlefield nuclear weapons. Uh, that I think the danger here is that the, the Russians facing, uh, you know, facing or being uh, feeling cornered are, uh, are now really talking uh, about nuclear weapons more openly than they have ever done so. We have seen in the last two weeks uh, lots of statements coming out. Uh, this, is a, this is an escalation ladder that, uh, that Russians feel they can climb. They want to focus on battlefield tactical nuclear weapons. And I think those dangers uh, are, quite, are becoming very visible. Uh, and, and I think the Western countries are also uh, looking very, very carefully at what this might mean uh, in terms of operational realities, if at yes. all. A battlefield mm -hmm. nuclear device is used, uh, you know, in and around uh, Ukraine. So I think the the crisis is only going to uh, become deeper, unfortunately. And and despite uh, international community by and large uh, telling Mr. Putin to to, to rethink, uh, he does not seem to have any intention of doing so. In fact, he seems to be doubling down 
uh, on making a case that at least those territories which you mentioned that are under Russian, that have been under Russian control for some time, are now finally de deemed to be uh, Russian territories, which of course yeah. the rest of the world has not yet recognized. Yes, of course. And there was a ceremony in Moscow. But, you know, like you said, we're entering into a very dangerous situation and the war is further escalating. The UN chief has called it escalation. But uh, what do we understand? A final question on China and India abstaining on condemning Russia on this. I think uh, they, they continue to make a case that uh, to, to Russia privately. And in fact, mm -hmm. Mr. Modi did it publicly at the SCO. But uh, but uh, I, I think they are not. Uh, India in particular does not see uh, its role as one where it, where it will use an international platform uh, to uh, to uh, you know as as part of a certain group sure. of countries to work mm -hmm. against Russia. And therefore, you see that balancing act continuing, where in private, uh, in one on one conversations, India making its case very clear. In, in fact, Dr. Jayashankar's statements on the nuclear threats that are coming from Russia are also uh, very very categorical and clear but it's uh, you know when it comes to uh, the you know india taking uh, the western position on this issue that's i think it still remains a big no no absolutely the in, india's um, effort to balance continues there and india has been pointing this out that india is not on the side of war privately but uh, continues to uh, not condemn it on public platforms along with a group of certain other countries, like you said, but we are entering a very dangerous situation there. It has been called as an, uh, and is looked upon as an escalation. Thank you so much for that analysis, Harsh. That's all that we have time for in this episode of the Ideas Factory. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in to Policy Pod, the ORF podcast. Please subscribe to our channel for updates on upcoming episodes.